So for you and for me and for us now, living a life of wisdom, yes, let us work hard to show what we believe wisely by what we say and what we do. But above that, let us pursue a relationship with Jesus, the wisdom of God. Bible open from Psalm 18. Uh, let's go forward to the book of James, uh, where we've been for a couple of weeks now. Uh, we're going to press pause on James uh, after this week because next Friday is Good Friday, uh, Easter Friday. Uh, but we'll talk about that uh, during some announcement type things at the end. Uh, so how do you find James in your Bible? Well, if you open it at the back, you're going to get uh, to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And if you work in from Revelation, uh, you're going to go past Jude, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, and there is James. And uh, we're in James chapter 3 uh, at the moment. And we're, we've said a couple of times that James is, is divided into, uh, well, chapter 1 and then Chapters 2 through 5 are 12 kind of standing by themselves messages about life. And we've called this, this study of James, Your Life to Live. Because if we take one thing every week and apply it to our lives, in six, seven, eight weeks' time, our lives will look very, very different. So James is talking about your life to live. And this morning he's building from last week where we talked about words and uh, this morning he is talking about wisdom and uh, wisdom is, is pretty important isn't it you know we we read about it again and again and again in the word there are more than 200 verses in the bible that talk about wisdom uh, for example Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. So it's, <laughs> wisdom is so important that you should get wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And that's a principle that we should remember. I'd like you to remember and think on that as we're talking through James. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So keep that at the front of your mind. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 19. Wisdom gives strength to the wise men, more than ten rulers who are in a city. And Revelation 5, where it, we're, we're worshipping in heaven, and we hear, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So wisdom is very, very important, and today we're going to see where it is found, how we live a life of wisdom. So we're going to jump in to James chapter 3, and uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 13. So would you read with me James 3, verse 13. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. 
So what is James talking about? Well, he's talking about wisdom and understanding. And notice with me that they come together grammatically when this was written and, and copied and rewritten and translated and all that stuff that leads us with English Bible. It comes together. They go together here. Wisdom and understanding. So James doesn't say, all right, who is the wise guy among you? And who's the know-it-all among you? It comes together. Who is wise and understanding? And wise here, we talk about biblical wisdom in the New Testament. Wise means having Christian wisdom, not worldly wisdom, not some kind of old sage guy with a long beard who lives in a cave somewhere. He's talking about Christian wisdom, who is spiritually enlightened uh, from the perspective of being, uh, uh, being a believer, who has, uh, who's taken to heart the truths of the word and the gospel and Jesus. So we could, we could say, who is Jesus wise? And then he says, an understanding uh, by this, he means uh, who accepts the truths of their faith and who can explain them to other people, who really, who really understands what it is that they believe. And uh, Norman Geisler wrote about this, and he, and he got a bit more practical, and, uh, and he said, uh, a great theologian, Norman Geisler wrote that knowledge is the understanding of truth in your mind. So if you understand what the Bible teaches, then that's, you're very knowledgeable. And wisdom is how we apply it to our life. So wisdom is truth in your mind and, sorry, no, no. <laughs> understanding is knowledge in your mind. Wisdom is how it comes out into your life. So it starts in your head and it travels through and comes out your hands. So you've got to know some stuff, you've got to understand some stuff, you've got to accept some stuff, and then you've got to do some stuff if we're going to be wise. So this person then, the person that James is talking about, the wise and understanding believer, which, if we're honest, we're all on that path. This is not addressed to a few. We're all called to be wise and understanding here. He says, look, the wise and understanding, uh, look with me again in verse 13, uh, by his good conduct, let him show his works. So by your conduct, what does he mean by conduct? He means what you say and what you do. So the last two messages that we've had have been about what you say and what you do. So there's definitely some overlap here. So James is writing, look, who is wise and understanding? How are you going to show that? You do it by what you, you show it, by what you say, and you show it by what you do. So if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're, if you're claiming to be a follower of Jesus, show it by your conduct in the meekness of wisdom. And got, it says, look, basically what he means here is, you've got to do this kindly. You don't go out to the street corner and start proclaiming how wise and understanding you are. We've moved, we've moved past that, haven't we? Show this kindly by what you say and do. And uh, if, you, if you think about it, it's a, it's a very biblical show and tell. Show me and tell me what it is you know, understand, and believe. 
so uh, most of you know that, that uh, Robin and I have got two little boys and our oldest boy, Roman, uh, has just turned five and um, had just started school before schools stopped. Uh, so every week uh, when school was running, uh, Roman had uh, a show and tell where he was to take something to school, show it to people, and tell them all about it. And, you know, if he didn't prepare for that, or if he didn't really care, if he didn't really know about what he was talking about, he, he wouldn't have done very well, would he? He would have just ended up standing there, you know, supposed to tell people about something in his life, but yet can't really do it. But he probably should be able to do it because it's part of his life and he's got it in his hands and he's, he's claiming that it's his but yet he doesn't know enough about it or care enough about it to be able to show and tell it very well. Now, thankfully, uh, Roman's quite a diligent little fella and he would prepare, he would, uh, he would practice, he would show me and tell me, he would show Robin and tell Robin, uh, he would show Drew, our cat, and tell Drew, our cat, all about his toys and his transformers and what Bumblebee does and you know, and it's the same. It's the same for us. We are called to show and tell people what we believe with our words and actions. This isn't a particular gifting of, of, of some. This isn't you know apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, hospitality, administrator. This is we're all called as believers to show and tell what it is we believe with our conduct in the meekness of wisdom. So really kindly show people what it is that you believe by what you say and what you do. So who is wise and understanding? This is how we know, says James, there is a faith show and tell going on. That's how we see wisdom in people. That's how we display our Jesus wisdom it's on show for people to see, and it's coming out of our mouths. Oh my gosh, nearly didn't come out of mine. It's on show for people to see, and it's coming out of our mouths, the Jesus wisdom in our life. And then James is quite straight talking, and he didn't use too many words to get that point across. But straight talking, but he's quite fair as well. So he shows us the other side of the coin. So verse 13, look, who is wise in understanding? This is how we know. And then he continues in verses 14 through to 16. And he shows us the other side of this. That look, if you're not really wise, this is what your life's going to look like. So let's read together James 3, 14 to 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So he's already laid out the standards of wisdom. He says, look, by good conduct, show your works in meekness. So by what you say and do, show what you believe kindly. And now, he turns the coin and shows us, look, but if you're not like the, but 
if you've got inside you bitter jealousy and selfish ambition he says you know don't don't boast about it and don't be false to the truth so don't think this is a good thing that you, this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition lives inside you and don't lie about the fact that, that, it, that it does don't glory in the fact that it's in use it's, it's another one of those quite a few Christian paradoxes so you've got to own it you've got to accept that actually yeah we're not going to lie about the truth and we're going to admit that we've got some bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in our hearts you've got to admit it and then you've got to quit it you've got to own it yes it lives in me but then you've got to disown it you've got to accept that your fleshly self is going to be like this don't be false to the truth he says but then you've got to disown it you've got to, we've, you know we've got to firmly and fervently say no this is not the life that I want to live. I want more than that. I want to live the life that Jesus died to provide for me. I want that Jesus life. The life that I was made to live. And if, if we look at this stuff, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, this is the exact opposite of what he has said in verse 13. Because this uh, worldly wisdom, fleshly life in verses 14, 15, 16, it's critical, it's contentious, and it's kind of fight-provoking. If you just think of a person, if you imagine a person who is like this, they're the kind of person that you end up disagreeing with about everything just because of how they are. So this kind of life uh, is not high. James Wright, it's, um, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This is not a a model life to live. It's a very low life, so to speak. He writes, it's very earthly. It's the opposite of a spirit-led life, a life of Christian wisdom that's demonstrated in what we say and what we do. It's led by the senses and by circumstances. It's earthly and it's unspiritual. And James says, look, it's demonic. It's just not all right. Uh, Adam Clark, a wonderful Bible commentator from uh, many, many years ago, wrote about a couple of these terms. And he said that earthly wisdom is where we, we just think of our brief 80-something years of living on earth. We, we never think past our time on earth. We've got a very short-term, fixed-term mentality and, and, and plan we never think of eternity and how it's going to be for us when we get there based on what we do when we're here so that's what he says earthly wisdom is just thinking about your time on earth never thinking past uh, unspiritual maybe your bible says sensual it's, it's led by the senses and and uh, adam clark writes that it's basically being like an animal it's been led by the senses chasing something that you want to see or eat or touch or smell or have and you go after that and you get it and you move on to the next thing it's, it's, it's gratifying the human animalistic passions that live inside us so i want that i'm going to go get that that smells good i'm going towards that that sounds good i want to have it that's what he writes about these terms meaning and where this life is being led uh, james writes then we're going to see we're going to see disorder and every vile practice now i read something this week 
about the difference between verse 13 and then 14, 15, 16. And, uh, and I read this wonderful bit of, uh, a bit of a book about this. And he said, the author said, now, what marks your life? What kind of wisdom comes forth from you? James says that you should show forth the wisdom inside you by the manner of your living. Demonstrate your wisdom. And this author went on to write, look, in reality, our manner of life does demonstrate the source of our wisdom. That's that root and fruit that we've been talking about. And if I'm constantly in strife, constantly in turmoil, constantly stirred up, constantly angry, constantly bad-mouthing people, or this person, this thing, that thing, then the wisdom I have is not from God. For the wisdom that comes from God has such marvelous characteristics as we're going to read in a moment. It's peaceful, it's pure, it's gentle. So, James has laid out quite clearly for us what Christian wisdom looks like in verse 13 and then what worldly wisdom looks like in 14, 15, 16. And it's down to us then to show what we believe and to show where our root is. Is it an earthly thing or is it a, a spiritual thing? Basically, we are going to show the fruit of where we are rooted. And then James pulls it all together and uh, he writes in verses 17 and 18, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And it's really, really simple. We've said this before. We're going to say it again, that God's wisdom always bears fruit in our lives. And then James has already told us what that looks like. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, if you're already living that life, uh, good for you. Please do get in touch with us and, uh, and let us know how you're managing to live that kind of life. But for the rest of us uh, that are being a bit more honest and truthful, uh, where do we look? Where do we find this life? Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. Where on earth, where do we find this kind of life? Where do we look for wisdom? Where shall wisdom be found? Uh, where do we look for a model for living? What, where do we look to see the ultimate example of how, in our wisdom, how we should be investing our time and our talents and our treasures? How do we know? Where do we look to see the most valuable of attributes? Job writes about wisdom that it can't be bought for, it can't be bought for gold and silver cannot be weighed as its price. Where is, it, where, where is wisdom found? How can we live a life of wisdom? Well, the, word, the revealed word of God to us that we carry around bound in our Bibles tells us that wisdom, the wisdom of God, this, this wisdom that James writes uh, is, is from above, the wisdom that's pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, this kind of wisdom, 
once walked where we walked. This kind of wisdom, this wisdom, the wisdom of God lived where we live and that true wisdom, the wisdom of God, can be found, exemplified and personified in Jesus. Because we're thinking about the show and tell, Jesus showed what he believed and what he knew to be true with his conduct and he also told people about it, didn't he? He told people what he believed and he also showed people what he believed. Uh, so we're reading Colossians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the church there in Colossae. And uh, he writes, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so James writes who is wise and understanding Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says look Jesus is wise and understanding he also writes to the church in Corinth a place where they kind of they, they enjoyed feeling like uh, you know they were they were pretty wise they knew what was what and Paul writes look where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And that's exactly what James says, isn't it? The wisdom of the world is not from above. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And Paul continues in his writes, Look, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. So this kind of wisdom is never going to get you to God. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demanded signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than so James says, who is wise and understanding? Paul, in two separate letters, writes, Jesus is wise and understanding. So, what does a wise life look like? Where do you and me go for wisdom? You know, in a world at the moment where everything that people had been relying on for their identity and stability and dependability, everything that people would have relied on is now starting to fail them. And there are millions and millions of people who are just crying out for something bigger, more stable, more dependable than themselves. So where do we go for that? So for you and for me now, a life of wisdom looks like this we've said through working through this letter of james that you know yes we need to work hard to show what we believe wisely james has already written that hasn't he by his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom so yes work hard to show what you believe what you know to be true but above that let us pursue relationship with Jesus, the wisdom of God, as we've just read a couple of times, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
uh, A.W. Tozer asked the question of people and he said, look, you know, is knowing Jesus the burning desire of your life? Do you just, do you want to know him more? Do you want to experience him more? Because as we've just read a couple of times, that is where wisdom and understanding are found. James writes, who is wise and understanding among you? And we're going to say, look, it's the person who knows that wisdom and understanding and truth are found in one place only. That's where wisdom and understanding are found. It's the wisest thing we can do with our time and our talent and our treasure. Live a life of wisdom. And we're going to find it. We're going to find wisdom. We're going to find understanding when we pursue, as, as Tozer wrote, when we pursue Jesus above all. Just look, back, just look back with me at verse 13 again. And let's just put the name of Jesus in there. So James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And again, we've said a few times that, you know, look, if Jesus was taking another walk on the road to Emmaus with a New Testament in hand, how would he explain this passage to point to himself? I'm going to suggest to you that it's like this. Verse 13, with Jesus explicitly there, we're going to say, look, Jesus is wise and understanding. By his good conduct, what he said and what he did, by his good conduct, he has shown his works in the meekness of wisdom. So for you and for me and for us now, living a life of wisdom, yes, let us work hard to show what we believe wisely by what we say and what we do. But above that, let us pursue a relationship with Jesus, the wisdom of God. Would you uh, bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word that uh, it all points us in some way, shape, or form to Jesus, uh, in whom are all the riches and treasures of knowledge and understanding and wisdom, and who is the, your wisdom exemplified uh, and personified. Lord, as the world is changing, maybe uh, forever, and people are just crying out, Lord, for some kind of stability, uh, some kind of, of anchor to hold on to as, as things are changing. Lord, may those of us who know that this is a, a faith in Jesus, may we be ready to point them to that, Lord. May there be something different about us in how we are conducting ourselves uh, during these difficult times. And when people ask, when people notice, Lord, may we have the words on hand uh, to point them to Jesus, Lord. Because people do want, some people do need something stable and sure and steadfast, Lord. And uh, for those of us who know that it's Jesus, yes, would you bring across our paths uh, those who, who need to hear it, Lord. And may we be ready. To, uh, to point them to you. Lord, we thank you again for this uh, technology that allows us to be together socially, spiritually, when we cannot be together physically, Lord. Uh, may we heed and put into practice uh, the desires of the governments uh, wherever we are in the world this morning. And uh, may we be those model citizens that your word calls us to be. 
uh, yes, would we? Would you help us to be comfortable with physical distancing, but never, ever, ever comfortable with social and spiritual distancing? Uh, Lord, would you prompt us today to reach out to somebody uh, in our lives that uh, maybe doesn't know you, uh, is that you know is, is looking for stability and, and something steadfast and sure during these changing times, Lord? Would you prompt us and guide us to reach out to somebody today? and uh, empower and equip us to be continue to be the church lord uh, to be in each other's lives uh, intentionally to intentionally communicate with people uh, to leave nobody feeling uh, unloved or abandoned or alone and uh, yep we just pray that all we do is glorifying to you uh, to the name of jesus we pray that it's glorifying to you uh, that it's edifying and equipping uh, to one another and uh, we love you, we trust you, we admit that we have no idea what is going on with the world now, but we rest and we trust in the truth that you do. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. Uh, we are so looking forward to being able to gather physically again, Lord. But uh, until then, uh, we will continue to seek you uh, by any means possible. We pray all this in Jesus' name.